This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. In this week after Veterans Day here in the U.S., and in this season clarifying that gratitude is one of the greatest gifts of the garden and the growing world, we're in conversation with someone who knows this gift of the garden perhaps especially well. Zephyrine Hansen is an Air Force veteran who, after eight years serving as a military photojournalist, took a medical retirement in 2004. As part of her own healing journey, Zephyrine joined the Veterans to Farmers program. Working in partnership with the Denver Botanic Gardens, the Therapeutic Veterans to Farmers program was life-changing for Zephyrine. It brought together all of the things she cared about most, motivating her to found her business, Hampton Farms, which brings together farming, small business, underserved communities, and growing outside the box. For her innovative work researching how to connect unused farm produce to small makers looking to craft value-added products, helping to stabilize both the incomes of farmers and makers, Zephyrine has won awards and recognition from the likes of Bob Evans' Heroes to CEOs program, from the LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program, from REI, and more. Zevereen, it has taken us some time to connect, but it is a great pleasure to be speaking with you at this exact time. Welcome to Cultivating Place. Thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation. I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners. And in doing that, could you also describe the kind of gardener you are in in the most general of terms, and perhaps what your organizing principle or primary directive for gardening in your life right now might be, Zephyrine? I really just want the world to be a better place. And, and I got to my healing through farming and gardening. So I'm definitely a therapeutic gardener and a farm advocate. I really focus on the business part of farming. As an entrepreneur, my personal mm-hmm. is my garden is healing. It, I, go, I go there for healing. I learn lessons um, about all the things not to do every season. Uh, this season, the squirrels have won. They ate all the apples off my tree and um, I got three pumpkins out of the garden before they decided to like just make a mess. And so that's the first year we've had that much of a problem with squirrels. And so every year I learn something about myself. I learn about the plants, you know, the quote pest in your lives Mm. and which right now are the squirrels. You know, we had Japanese beetles here a couple months ago. Those were the pests, Mm. Uh, but also Japanese beetles are so beautiful. They, I mean, they look, they're gorgeous but they cause so much destruction and there's just continuous lessons for me personally. So before we go into the mission and exact work of Hampton Farms, I want to go back a little bit. Who who were those people and places and plants that, that grew you, Zephyrine? Well, the, the question I'm hearing is just like, you know, kind of my origin story of getting to, you know, farming. And so I grew up in Southern California, 
a very uh, conservative family, grew up going to uh, religious private schools. And I never felt like I fit, fit in with that community at all, but it is where I grew up. And I then knew that I needed to get out of California and needed to, or I needed to be able to take care of myself. I, my parents were gonna be able to get me to college and I joined the Air Force. And so while it was the best choice for a 17 and a half year old Zephyrine to make, it also came with mm. cost. I already had childhood trauma, and then I was now going into the military, which my ability, my childhood trauma gave me the ability to stuff my feelings and move on autopilot throughout life, which made me a great photojournalist in the Air Force, because no matter what I saw, I could continue to function. Mm. At some point around, or I think I was like 24, I no longer could function with seeing the amount of trauma I was seeing mm. in the military. And so my military career ended. Um, all of the things that you may have heard that happens to veterans, I didn't get the mental health care that I really needed. Mm -hmm. uh, the military was much more concerned with, you know, covering themselves than making sure that I got the help I needed. And so for many years, I was over-medicated and uh, not receiving the proper mental health services because of that's how the Veterans uh, you know, Administration was operating. And this was in 2004. Okay. And I had gotten married in the military. My husband's also uh, was in the military at the time. So he's watching my career crumble. Um, we're not really getting the support that we need. And we're just trying to figure this out in our 20s without any of the things we mm -hmm. talk about now, right? Like, this is a completely different mental health landscape that I was going yeah. through than what we have now. And my military career ended. Um, I didn't have support after. My husband uh, ultimately got out of the military. We moved back to California and started our life there again. Like we went to school. Um, I was no longer in photography, but I was just trying to kind of hold on to it. So I, I tried for a little bit, but I just couldn't. Every time I touched the camera, I could see every scene again. It so was the, it was one of the spaces, just, the PTS, yeah. right? Yeah. It just, it just came up and was so hard for me because I had so many opportunities in photography and being in California, um, we grew up around and kind of a part of the entertainment community. So we had a lot of friends who were giving me these opportunities that I just couldn't take because I, I wasn't there. Uh, and, and so fast forward, my husband and I have children because, you know, I still wanted to be a mom, although no one taught, told me how you're going to now mother, but that will trigger childhood trauma, military-related trauma, complex trauma, all these different things we have, those things will be triggered and you will now have to work that out. Then all three of our children were diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Mm. And so my husband and I were now not having the parenthood experience we thought we were going to have. And now navigating that. Again, now my oldest is 14 and our twin daughters will be 13 um, in, in the next couple of months. Many of the autism services that people are like, yep, yeah, that's just what you do. 
10 years ago, we were fighting for those. We were begging our insurance to cover these things. So again, a different landscape of the services that mental health and um, neurodiversity meeting people's needs where they are, that should just be it. It should, you know what I'm saying? It should be accessible learning, not special learning. It's accessible. So I found myself navigating all of these things and at some point, my family of origin, we've, we've been estranged because I needed to heal. And farming, it was farming that started to ground me. Okay, so tell us this germination story. How, yes. how did the farm and garden find you? It found me because, uh, our, as I shared, our children were all on, were diagnosed being on t- autism spectrum. And we were navigating two educational, um, three individual educational plans with the school. And it was a nightmare. I'll just say it was a nightmare. I had meetings constantly with teachers and three different teachers and three different speech teachers. I mean, it just, uh, and it ended with our son getting hurt at school and the school, Mm. um, didn't handle it in a way that, uh, made us feel safe to come back and actually they were they were threatening to us something that happens to parents who have children who have educational plans um sometimes when you advocate for yourself because the school is bigger they then accuse you of things and where they can call cps on you and um you're at risk of losing your children and that does happen in the special needs community Mm. so we were facing a very real situation on top of the fact that i had photographed trauma and was then, you know, uh, triggered and and didn't want to act out in a way. Uh, they were threatening my children and my family. And mm. when women mm. become emotional, the world treats that differently. Righteous anger in women gets mm-hmm. treated differently. Righteous anger in Black women gets treated. Right, you know, to say nothing. So right, exactly. I was very yeah. aware. Wait, righteous say that part again. anger in women, righteous anger in Black women is then, that's a whole nother you know, uh, mm-hmm. realm I was dealing with. And so we had to go. And fortunately, um, my husband's company at the time, he's now at another company, had an opening here in Denver. We packed our stuff and moved out quickly. And we got here and I went to a veterans group because we're veterans and they were, they were having a group for um, alternative mental health. And they had all kinds of, they had psychedelics, they had different like yoga retreats, all these things I had never heard of. And I definitely hadn't heard it from primarily white veteran guys. Like it, I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> right. It was, they were into all the woo woo. And I was like, oh, this is wild. So, but one of them said to me, he's like, oh, I'm into chickens. And I thought, okay, this guy is nuts. And he, and, and that he was kidding. He then told me about veterans to farmers. Right where he had learned about chickens and had gotten into chicken farming um, or poultry farming. And so I I joy, I went through the Veterans to Farmers program, which has a collaboration, a partnership with Denver Botanic Gardens, and uh, which they have two places. They have a garden and then they have an actual farm. And so I did that program and I actually didn't leave. This is my, <laughs> this has been my last year there to uh, do a lavender study. And I really appreciate their support because we had a lot of learning to do. It was the first time ever uh, that someone was studying 
you know, that one of their veterans wanted to do this, wanted to figure out how do you make lavender profitable um, in a way that also honors how the gardens uses it because they use it for the festival. So that means that I may not yep. get to harvest it at peak time. So then it still has value, but how? what is that value, right? So I, I appreciate right. that. Um, yeah. and so that study will be wrapped up at the end of this year. I'm I'm now pulling all, you know, the numbers and all that fun stuff together, making it pretty. First of all, I want to just honor the idea of veterans to farmers and the history and the mission of that project as both a, a physical outlet, uh, a mental health outlet, um, but also an, an economic and reimagining, reforming your, your life path in order to have, you know, better security and self-sustainability as you move forward. So it, it has all of these aspects that your work is focused on, Zephyrine. Talk about the catalyst and, and origin story of you founding Hampton Farms. We moved to Denver and just happened to move into what I call a throwback neighborhood. Our house is a 1970s ranch. Our backyard was a quarter acre. Um, I mean, altogether a quarter acre in this long I long before I thought about farming, we had, you know, purchased this house and then it had an apple tree and you can walk to the park. And in Denver, uh, there's the Highline Canal mm -hmm. and you just walk out of my house and you're on the canal essentially. And so it's like, I'm in nature, all that. Like, Beautiful. It just was this magical little place. I can walk to the library and it really was like an answered prayer of an eight-year-old me. Like when I, you know, I wish I was growing up with this, but still close enough to the city, right? So we're still, we're right in Denver, but then you're right across the street, we're in an Aurora, right? And, and so it was this, it was this place that felt magical to the little girl in me. And then although we homeschool by necessity, I tell everybody, if I could drop them off at high school tomorrow, I would. But that would not be good for them. And our school system is just not set up for meeting their needs. And I had to acknowledge that. So how do I give them a life that um, pours into them when I can't give them the typical life I thought I was going to? And I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, it works for other people. Believe me, that was my plan. Like they were supposed to be at school seven years ago and I was going to go back into my career, which meant I wouldn't have been doing farming. I would have been still telling stories, but probably, you know, in a more, um, you know, PR, marketing, advertising is what I likely would have gone back into. This is Cultivating Place. Zephyrine Hansen is a veteran, a lavender farmer, an innovative business founder, a partner, and a mother to three beloved neurodiverse teenage children. Zephyrine is always growing, and we'll be back for more of her story, founding her micro-urban farm and community-based Hampton Farms. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. I am grateful to be a gardener. I am grateful for my garden. 
I am grateful that you are a gardener, and I am grateful for your garden, whatever that might look like. This, I think, is one of the greatest gifts and teachings of the garden. Gratitude, generosity, abundance, and more gratitude in a never-ending positive feedback loop and trophic cascade. We're back now to our conversation with Zephyrine Hansen, founder of Hampton Farms, a research and therapeutic micro-urban lavender farm connecting farmers to makers for the economic benefit of both. When did the first idea of Hampton Farms come to you and what was that first iteration in its evolution? The first was our kids and I were making um, bath products where we sourced it from local farmers. So that was the first. We didn't have a farm, but we sourced from our friends and the gardens. They, Like I said, you sourced the lavender. So this was all lavender based from the beginning. Lavender, lemon balm. Um, Lavender found me. I, I want to thank Josie and Jen at Denver Botanic Gardens and also Larry too. He's I work mostly with Jennifer and Jen, but Larry does sign the OKs. <laughs> so so thank you too, Larry. Uh, they were just very supportive. Jen was in charge of the lavender as their head horticulturist and uh, Josie runs the educational program with Veterans to Farmers. And they were like, you can harvest, you could try, you can encourage, uh, you know. So the lavender plantings were already there. Already there. The way it went is there, the garden's photographer, Scott, took some pictures of me <laughs> in the lavender. And uh, the joke came that I was the lavender lady and I ended up in some promotions around lavender. And so I was a lavender model first before I was a lavender farmer. And that's actually how it happened was, you know, this picture and, you know, being in front of the camera, something that I'm not as comfortable with as being behind happened. And uh, Scott happened to graduate from this, the college that the Air Force at the time was sending photographers to. So he's a civilian, but he had known you know, and, it, and it's 20 years apart, he and I had this experience, but um, it just all these, these synchronicities happen. And then, and then that's why I say Jen and Josie, uh, they just said, hey, Zephyrine, well, sure, you know, if you want to try, you can, you can put it in products, right? I make whipped uh, body butter. And so I gifted it to everyone. And they said, oh, you know, you can put like lavender and calendula and lemon balm. Had no idea. I had absolutely no, I knew nothing about herbalism, nothing about, I mean, now that I think about it, of course, because beauty products, it had to come from plants. But at the time, right? you know, I was like a Sephora queen. I was like, I don't, what are you talking about? Farm products and beauty products. So I make that body butter because when my kids were very little, they had eczema. And the dermatologist kept, you know, just uh, prescribing um, like a oh cortisone or something. Yeah. A steroid cream. Yeah, so cord- and that, you know, thins out the skin, a steroid cream. And they would say, like, don't let them eat it. I'm like, have you met a child? Have you met a child? So I, you know, went on the forums. This is 2010 around, you know, figuring out 
what kind of body butter. And I kept experimenting it and sharing it with my friends and stuff. And so I came up with this, you know, recipe that I would make for the kids. Um, and if they ate it, nothing's going to happen to them. They just got some oil. Right. And so it has no preservatives and nothing. And so I, that was the gift. And, and so these things like motherhood, wanting to take care of my kids. And then as a thank you, I gave this gift, you know, to the veterans, to farmers, the gardens, you know, team. And then they were like, hey, Zephyrin, you know what else you, you can do? Um, again, the gardens uh, provided a partial scholarship for me to go through their herbalism program. So awesome. I have an herbalism certification uh, and you're still learning. I just want everybody to know I'm not a always. full herbalist. You're always learning. Mm. Um, and so like it just continued farming just came and and like then after I got comfortable in farming as a veteran and I really wanted to feel comfortable as a farmer, as a black woman. There was a different experience that I was having uh, than my fellow veterans who, you know, weren't black women. And so again, I appreciate that I was in a space that said, hey, Zafru, we we know we can't meet all your needs, but here are some other farmers in our community that can meet that need for you. Um, and so I got to, there's a woman here, Beverly Grant, that does all kinds of amazing food and juices and she's growing food for community another frontline farming uh uh you know black and brown led woman-led farm organization that does food advocacy and and then the list of mile high farmers is a group of farmers here that uh, just all work to they do good work they grow good food they give it out they get it to where it needs to be and I'm just so grateful for this community because it it brought together all of my intersections. Like I said, this this I Hamden Farms was because you know I needed to be able to figure out what I was doing in farming, right? You know, I couldn't just do it under Zephyrine. So I had to create a business. I'm a serial entrepreneur. It was a great way to show my kids you can learn. You our whole school program is like farm-based, steam-based because of farming, you know, all the different technologies. We have a mini tractor. Like our kids really love uh technology and 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 STEM. And there's like programs here. Like for whatever reason, Denver became this place where I was able to have all my intersections. It really was. And you know, there's I mean, there's plant shops here and like esoteric shops and people all know each other, like the artists and the herbalists and the astrologists, all, you know, right. farmers are all blended together. And it wasn't a, you know, I, I you would have thought I found that life in, in California, but I found, found it here. There's a great um, Black woman owned yoga studio where I take Black girl magic yoga. It's just, nice. it's been this like, like I said, opportunity for all of it. My identity yeah. as a veteran, as a mother, as a gardener, business owner, like if you name it, I've been able to have that experience while here. And I really want to shout out to um, not only the Veterans to Farmers program, but the Denver Botanic Gardens as being one of our public gardens that is really answering the call to be the community gathering spaces that they can be. Our public gardens, um, especially after 2020, 
are being asked to be these crucible spaces and these convening spaces uh, that can affect change. And uh, I just applaud them for, for answering that call to the best of their ability and continuing to do so in the way of horticultural knowledge and education, in the way of display gardens, in the way of these satellite uh, programs and spaces that they have. Uh, that is fantastic. And check out their tickets too. I don't know how all these, but many times um, there's free tickets when you you go uh, to the gardens. And I I have a membership as, you know, me being part of and connected to the gardens and work I've done there. But there are free tickets for people to just go and enjoy if a membership is not, you know, in your budget. Yep. And I do like that uh, because I didn't always, you know, I didn't always know that, that that was an opportunity right. and maybe it wasn't always an opportunity. So those are things that I appreciate. I'm seeing more of is that redefining what outside is and who belongs in these spaces. Yep. And so I, I definitely want to encourage, you know, that movement. And not only who belongs because everyone belongs, but who's invited and who's allowed. Exactly. And so, um, you know, if wherever you are listening from, you don't think you have access, ask the question, like, are there, you know, are there subsidized or free memberships? Are there open days? Are there all of these, these points of, of possibility? So, okay, back to Hampton Farms, back to, to the kids and this entrepreneurial project, your pivot in 2020, you experiment a little bit about like, what, what are you going to be? What is it going to look like? What is it for? And then, and then you, you start to morph again um, and kind of listen and respond to what the universe is actually maybe asking of you in the way you're growing and and how and why and for whom. I just I appreciate this question and this this opportunity to share. I had to just remain open. I had to I like many creatives I envisioned things would look one way and it was not happening this year. And so I I took a step back and looked at what did work. And a lot of great things worked for me. One, I'm so grateful to Bob Evans Farms for the grant. That money allowed me to breathe. That money allowed me not to self-fund. Uh, and I am so grateful for that. It, 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 it just, there's some things about business that people don't think about of like, oh, you're thinking about me making products or being out on the farm, but I have all the backend admin accounting stuff going on too, social media, storytelling. Uh, so I definitely was overwhelmed. So being able to uh, hire Kisila to do our digital, you know, to help us with our digital presence has been great. The other thing was, I also got into LinkedIn's first ever creator accelerator and I'm a storyteller and I hadn't really thought I would go back to that. So I was trying to make farming as the product when really was the product was my ability to amplify, my ability to educate, my ability to inspire, my ability to connect that's actually where I need to be. And it meant that also my business is not going to scale in the way everyone else is telling me that it's going to scale. Like there's not a blueprint for what I'm doing. I'm homeschooling full time. 
all three of my children too are their own, have their own entrepreneurial desires. My son wants to be a race car driver. So I take him racing, you know, at least twice um, a month. Uh, this month, it was a little bit shaky. Uh, he also is into automotive. So he has his own automotive program with a program called TAC, Teaching the Autism Community Through Trades. Uh, our one of our daughters is basically a Lego master. We actually entered her into a Lego and Target contest. Uh, she made a beautiful aquarium from all the pieces uh, I yelled about being on the floor. It's, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> if I'm if I'm being honest, right. years of me complaining, she has made this gorgeous thing. And then our other daughter is very much into art and science, and she wants to be a DJ. I don't know how I get thirteen year olds into DJ, but they've got the right mom. I'm going to figure it out. So it isn't, you know, on top of the fact that I have a partner and spouse who has his 20 plus year career and is, you know, you hit your forties and we're both in our forties and we're, we have some questions about how are we going to go forward in life? We're having these real, uh, I have a, another colleague, Adrian Porter, he has the Gen X podcast and he's, he talks about in the forties, there's like this middle age malaise, you know, I think what we used to call the midlife crisis. And if you, if you're a caregiver, you have people below and above you, Mm -hmm. some aside from you and a career, like we're under a lot, right? So these, all of this stuff was happening and I'm not going to lie, I was not doing well. And I have a therapist and, and, and I talked to her weekly and everything was just like, she was like, Zephyrine, what are you going to take off of your plate? Like, that's, that's really, this is what I'm here for to, you're going to have to take stuff in. And, and many of those things I was like clawing onto and crying because it didn't happen the way I wanted mm-hmm. when I had so many, you know, opportunities, another opportunity, the, uh, um, REI this year, REI and the phase design collab, uh, had their first ever, certification for BIPOC designers who did not have an opportunity to go to design school. So I spent five weeks with this amazing woman. Her name is Angela Medlin, uh, who's, you've worn her clothing. She's worked for Levi, Nike, Adidas. I mean, like cross colors from my youth. And and she's a phenomenal woman and has been a great mentor. Um, If things went the way I planned, I wouldn't have met her. Right. So I had to, you know, so it's been this, this, I say, especially last three months, like I said, I'm so glad we're talking now, this real awakening that maybe the challenge is much like farming, you can bring it back to farming is like the seasons. Yeah. I wasn't being buried. I was being planted. You know, I can only imagine what it feels like for a seed to to all of a sudden be it's dark and now it's wet. And now you got to come through this like, you know, this skin and then now you've got to come through the dirt. I mean, right. And so I definitely feel like I was planted um, and went through several seasons of it being rough. But Hampton Farms has been my it's just been my anchoring to be this project around farming, around creativity, storytelling, having a business, my kids working with us because they worked at the gardens with us. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, it's, it is farming for me is an actual ecosystem to my spiritual and mental and physical life. 
This is Cultivating Place. Zephyrine Hansen is a veteran, a lavender farmer, and a business owner, a partner and mother to three beloved neurodiverse teenage children. Zephyrine is always growing, and when we come back, you'll hear more about her story, founding her micro-urban farm and community-based endeavors. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer, thinking out loud this week. This truly is the season of gratitude in the garden. The leaves are colorful and falling, feeding the soil below them. The light is particularly poignant this time of year. And all I can think is, I am grateful for the gardeners of this world, you among them. If you have gifts or gratitudes about your gardening life or your garden, or even a plant you particularly love, I would be honored if you would share that with me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for growing along with me. We're back now to our conversation with Zephyrine Hansen, founder of Hampton Farms, a research and therapeutic micro-urban lavender farm connecting farmers to makers for the economic benefit of both. As we come back, Zephyrine is sharing more about the journey of her family, her farms, and her vision going forward, including a well-placed, well-planned happiness break which reminds us of another gift from the garden, that of rest. We have decided uh, to take a partial sabbatical for like the, the rest of the year. The projects I have open will be completed, uh, but we are going to really take this time to look at the data of how it impacted our family, really that the world's open again. So I do need to make sure my kids' needs are met. Like I said, I'm a homeschooler. By state law, it's like four hours a day and like 180 hour, you know, 180 days. And what does a small scale farm, an urban small scale farm look like with a a working homeschool mom? And and right. so we're figuring that out. We're really right. we're figuring that out. And I am so excited because there's so many opportunities and alignments with organizations here who are looking to partner around, you know, agricultural entrepreneurship, getting black and brown children outside and having access. And the truth is I'm open to what Hampton Farms does next. I'm now open to that because before I was like holding on to it really tight and I mean, again, like to the point, Bob Evans, like when they actually called me, I was like, uh, I don't know what's going on with Hamden Farms. And but every mentor I've ever had is like, Zafreen, if someone offers you money, you say yes. Yeah, you say thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. And what also came with that was a mentorship with my my mentor, Nancy Preston. Hi, Nancy uh, of Milk Money Kitchens. And so she is she does basically commercial kitchens for small businesses in New York. Mm -hmm. And 
So if I had not said yes, I not only would not have had the money, but I wouldn't have had this opportunity to have Nancy go through my business with me and help me grow it. So that's another thing where I'm saying I'm open because now I have like four mentors plus in major areas that I want to work in and, you know, apparel and, and food and how you can bring that together and education. So at this point, I, it is remaining open and I'm very excited for what we'll be doing in 2023. Nice. So describe the Lavender Project and the, the research you're doing and uh, what that is. So my idea was that each farmer or gardener who is who is selling for any kind of profit needs a value added profit crop a crop that they know is going to sell no matter what and the gardens was gracious enough and also in partnership because you know they get this information and it helps them too uh, with their funding to donate the lavender to the study and so they use it for um their festival every year. Yep. And then I was studying it. And then throughout that study, they started to have partnerships with other local farmers uh, and groups who would come and harvest for the day. And the it's a it's a great deal for the gardens. They don't have to worry about selling it or maintaining it. And someone else like myself or another garden uh, farmers can, you know, sell it or use it in a way that makes sense. And the gardens gets to donate it. Right. So uh, they are a bigger, you know, organization. My goal was to take that data and then how do I distill it into what would work for my small farm? Because I have like six plants uh, myself and they're actually, this is their third year. So they're mature, which is really exciting. So I'm, I'm getting, you know, a lot more lavender that I did. And the idea was like, what can a small scale farmer do? What would my outlets be? Who who would be my customers, vendors? And so that's what that, it's the behind the scenes nerdy stuff of farming is with the lavender. Right. And, and to sort of circle back to something you and I were talking about before we even got started, um, there is the whole stream of that. So there is, you know, the lavender plant, the lavender foliage, the lavender flowers, then the lavender seed. And then, you know, you can make dried bundles, you can make products with the the lavender flowers and, and seed heads. You can, um, you can and then- classes. Right. You know and, what I'm saying? So there's these, there's all the like you can do right. classes before you harvest it, right? And you can, I mean, the like lavender really was just this everything to me as far as uh this gorgeous plant and it smells great and and I don't even know like this much about it too. And I study it. That's why I tell you. Like there's so it it just goes on. It's you and the interesting thing is like either you really like it or you really don't like it. That's mm-hmm. what I have found about like there's no in between. Like either I tell people I'm a lavender farmer, they're like, oh, I love lavender, or they're like, mm. so <laughs> you know, um, you know, there's like you can put it in food and do cocktails with it, sugar. I mean, the list of what you could do with lavender. So I wanted to know for myself who doesn't, I'm not gonna put in. Um, an acre of lavender like they have at the gardens at our house, we're probably looking to put in 22 plants this year. Do you know which lavender you have planted there, Zephyrin? At the gardens? Not at my house. I have a Munstead at my house. Okay. Okay. Nice. I do have Munstead. 
And I love that it's this traditional healing plant as well. You know, the the fragrance is therapeutic to those who like it. And right. um, and it has all of these, you know, essential oil and aromatherapy benefits that Medicinal, come with it. It's very like antiseptic. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do is the lavender that is spent. And by spent, the bees got to it, but it's still pretty. I put it in lavender. I mean, put it in vinegar and make a cleaner. Mm. Nice, nice. Yeah, so, um, and you know, speaking of the bees, it's also this fantastic pollinator plant. It's it's not native to North America, but it is uh, still a very productive ecological contributor in in nectar and pollen for bees and butterflies and wasps and all all the pollinators. So, um, so you know, as we as we circle towards the end of of our conversation. And we put this in kind of a greater context. I want you to talk about the happiness break that that you put yourself on and the the idea of this sabbatical coming forward and the importance of that. Um, you know, especially I think as a a mother, um, a black woman, a business owner, the constant exposure and pressure is is often unrelenting until we decide to take our claws off of it and say i'm letting this go can you talk a little bit about that because i think all gardeners and farmers and um people who are trying to meet these urgencies we feel all around us i think this is really important um garden information well, it, it just came down to, and again, thank you for the question and the space to have this conversation. I came to farming because of my mental health and I was, I'm not currently, I would say I'm in remission, but when I am at my most stressed, when I, when it is critical, I struggle with suicide ideation. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's not any, I can't play with this I it is why I have a therapist and a a very strong inner circle that they pick up the phone you know um immediately or text me and say is do I need to walk out of this meeting right now and and so that is I haven't needed anyone to do that but the fact that I have that it was life-changing for me Mm -hmm. so I just feel like my family my friends my inner circle everyone who's been on this healing journey with me and to say like my extensive community here in Denver have shown so much support and held so much space as I healed and openly talked about struggling that it just didn't make sense to continue to do things that make me feel that way even if initially it didn't and and that just took me a long time to get to that like Mm -hmm. I'm an 80s kid where like you know you just, you just did it. You just did it. You like, you either act right or you're getting hit. Like that was what we grew up in. And so it never occurred to me to stop doing things that hurt. If I had said yes to it, like changing my mind or saying, Hey, I reassess this. I'm, I'm going to back up. And so that is, that's what it came down to. I, I love farming and I love working in advocacy. but I was starting to get the same feeling that I felt when I was active duty, where I was seeing just like heartbreak every single day. And uh, one of my mentors said to me, she, she says, Zephrine, it's not the work, it's the actual heartbreak. Like 
there's real stuff going on. And so um, I don't know what she intended for me to take, you know, take away from it, but I, I looked at it as like, Zephyrine, you can, you can put down like the weapons, like you don't always have to be on the front line and you can take your superwoman cape off. And, you know, if I'm being really honest, like one of our daughters just didn't want to talk to me anymore. And we were, we were going down that teen path of, of us not having a good relationship. And it was because I was choosing work. And even if, though it's good work and I was saving people, the person in my house who actually needed saving, I was actually failing. So that's not the story I want to have. So if, if, if me quote, saving the world, which I'm not saving the world, but if, if that is, you know, meeting these immediate needs, but I don't meet the needs of someone I created, someone I wanted, like, you know, um, and it was one of our twin daughters who I wasn't being the mother I wanted to be. I was having the career that I wanted, but this wasn't looking that great. So I, I just needed to stay stand back and say, okay, I still can farm Hamden Farms, um, but it may, it's not going to scale as quickly, you know, as I would like it. And is that actually necessary? So I'm going to focus on creating a business that truly supports mothers so that the mothers who don't have a cushion have a playbook you know, on how, on how to do this. And, and like I said, I, I, the sign, like the sign literally came to my house and it, and it talks about why I do this and, you know. So for listeners who won't oh, see sorry. this because we don't record video, <laughs> you know, I, there will be a picture of you with that sign be, behind you. Um, and it will, uh, it will be with the, the post, but for this purpose, Zephyrine, I would love for you to actually read that sign. So this this sign is one of those tall um, standing signs that you might see, you know, like a famous person silhouette. It's like that height. And it's a full-size picture of Zephyrine with three children around her. And it says Hampton Farms. Will you read what it says under that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it says Hampton Farms. Our mission is to accelerate food security and community wealth building through investment in agricultural entrepreneurship, value-added crops, and products. Hamden Farms is a micro-farming homestead project offering sustainable farming solutions and small-batch artisanal products made from organic ingredients, lovingly grown and conscientiously sourced. Hamden Farms was founded in 2017 by Zephyrine Hansen, a former Air Force photojournalist with a 20-year background in media communications and public relations. She began planting seeds and nurturing people through Hamden Farms in 2017. Our projects and programs, Seed to Sustainable is a pilot project converting locally grown unsold farm products by underrepresented farmers in the Denver metro area into value added retail products. Also last year, we did a farm in a box. It's a curated selection of local urban produce and product selections from diverse farmers in Denver, straight to your home for educational farming. Hamden Farms received a grant from Point B Strategies to develop a workshop and subscription series in consideration of youth in Denver 
ages 11 plus with intellectual and or developmental delay diagnosis. I think one of the things that I would like to end with here is the fact that when we say the word gardener or cultivate, it has so many meanings and we play this out in a thousand different ways in our lives as humans. I also think that one of the things your work and your story demonstrates so beautifully, Zephyrine, is that when we use that word wealth, it also has this incredibly beautiful prismatic capacity. And as gardeners, I think we have the opportunity to see and know these two truths more than most people. And I'm just very grateful for your work and your time with me today. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been so lovely. It really has. And I want you to know that this is exactly the time for us to have this conversation. Exactly the time. So thank you. Air Force veteran and entrepreneur Zephyrine Hansen is the founder and force behind Hampton Farms in Denver, Colorado. Her work and mission is to accelerate food security and community wealth building through investment in agricultural entrepreneurship. of plants and place and season, of course, we're going to pay our respects to lavender this week. I don't think I've ever had a garden without lavender in it. Lavender is the common name for plants in the lavandula genus, which is in the mint family, Lamiaceae. And few plants, can you think of any others, are as strongly identified with fragrance and color as lavender is. Lavender has been used since ancient times for healing, cooking, cosmetics, and of course, as ornamentation, inside and out. Plants can range from very low growing, say under four to six inches, to higher than your waist with elegant, fragrant flowering stalks. Lavenders can actually range in color from lavender to a deep purple to a pale purple to pink and white. Lavenders are considered semi-woody subshrubs and their evergreen foliage can also range in color from gray to silver to a pale green to sometimes quite a dark green and the foliage of course is also very fragrant. As a result of having been cultivated for hundreds, if not thousands of years, there are many lavender hybrids and varieties from the various species. Some of them are quite hardy, some are much more tender. In the garden, the many different lavenders are beautiful and multi-purpose, ornamental on their own, as hedges, as color swaths, and as prolific pollinator attractors. Munstead, the lavender Zephyrine mentioned growing, is one of the many varieties of Lavendula angustifolia, also known as English lavender, which as a group is among the hardiest and generally low-growing. Spanish lavender 
lavender, Lavendula stachys, has the deeply colored flag-like petals coming out of geometrically formed flower heads and bracts. It's among the earliest blooming. The named selections Grosso and Provence, which are among my favorites, are both in the Lavendula intermedia, a cross between Lavendula angustifolia and Lavendula latifolia, also known as broadleaf lavender. Angustifolia and intermedia selections are the best for culinary and cosmetic use. And while all lavender can be dried, the long flower stalks and blooms of the intermedias are excellent for lavender wands and arrangements. Both angustifolia and intermedia are particularly high in lavendins, the active oil in lavender, and so these are the varieties most used in perfume and soap production. Originally native to the Mediterranean region and southern Europe means that lavenders particularly enjoy lean soil, full sun, warm dry summers, and mild winters. This means that in colder or more humid environments, even the heat or cold hardy lavenders tend to be shorter lived, maybe two to five years of peak growth, after which you might want to replace them. In my Northern California environment, very wet winters can do the plants in by encouraging rot at their crown and in their roots. That said, lavender is amazingly easy and undemanding in the garden. Most loss of lavender life in the garden setting will often have to do with overwater or overly zealous maintenance. Once lavender has completed its first bloom in the summer, you can shear the flower heads back to encourage a second bloom later in the season. Although I definitely recommend not pruning back all of your flowers at once so that you stagger pruning and thereby allow for maximum nectarine by bees and butterflies. As Zephyrine notes, all parts of the plant are fragrant and useful, and while you don't want to prune too hard into the woody structure of a lavender too close to winter, I do like to use branches of my lavender foliage in winter wreaths and greens. The gray fuzzy foliage shows off so nicely against broadleaf or coniferous greens, and every time you brush the foliage, you get that happy hit of lavender scent. And this is a gift of aromatherapeutic gratitude from the garden that keeps on giving. Join us again next week when we pay tribute to another gift of the garden, attention. We're in conversation with Rebecca Schiller, small holding farmer and gardener in the United Kingdom and author of 1,000 Ways of Paying Attention, Coming Home to My Neurodivergent Mind. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio, a service of CAP Radio, licensed to Chico State Enterprises. Cultivating Place is made possible by listeners just like you through the support button at cultivatingplace.com. The Cultivating Place team includes producer and engineer Matt Fiddler with weekly tech and web support from Angel Haracha. We're based on the traditional and present homelands of the Machupta Indian tribe of the Chico Rancheria. 
Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Places distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.